everyone and welcome to another episode of the Belgian Football Podcast. This one's the highly anticipated Lommel special. We're absolutely delighted to be joined by Peter van der Veen, uh, Lommel head coach and Mike Green, chief executive at Lommel. As many of you will know, in May 2020, the City Football Group added Lommel to their portfolio of clubs. The The City Football Group now owns about 10 clubs and as part of that acquisition, the City Football Group wiped out a lot of Lommel's debt. So yeah, very, very interesting club, I'm sure, for any of our kind of English listeners or fans of Manchester City I'm sure you'll be very very interested in what these guys have to say so let's just dive straight into it as just to say yeah thank you so much Mike and Peter for joining us really really appreciate it first question I guess we'll go to you Mike is CFG purchased Lommel as I said in May 2020 where does Lommel kind of fit within the group what are the long-term objectives and aims of the group for Lommel and yeah kind of what is your personal kind of vision for the club going forward yeah thanks Ben lovely to um lovely to meet you all I think um, I can answer it quite simply in terms of looking at the group's ambition to develop young players and talent. What we want to do across the group is create a competitive development and Lommel is therefore really strategically important for the group. Um, You've just said yourself there's... 10 clubs now across the, the various continents. And Lommel's just in a phenomenal place. I mean, me personally, it's it's an amazing area of just natural beauty. It's a phenomenal place to live and to, to be. But it's obviously so well connected to Europe. So if we look at the, the talent that is being developed throughout Europe, Belgium, and not just saying this, is a prime example with having the... Um, the Belgium national team is the number one team in the world for, for a very long time now. I think um, Martin has only spoke about that himself um, this week. So you look at Belgium, the Netherlands, France, Germany, Austria, Switzerland, Scandinavia. I mean, the, the list is pretty endless, isn't it, of the, the talent throughout Europe that can, can come and be based in Belgium. In terms of what that means, it's talent is is a growing need across clubs throughout the world. And what we're trying to do is identify young talent and provide them with the platform to develop and the best opportunity to succeed in the future. And along the way, we expect to play some beautiful football. Uh, And by doing that um, and the the job that Peter's doing, we've had some ups and downs. We've had roller coaster (laughs) since we, we took over last May for various different reasons it's something that we're we're aiming to hope to succeed in over the coming years. I, I will add to that. I said coming years, it's going to take time. We, we, we've got to have patience when we do something like this. And we've seen it through City Football Group throughout all of our clubs. The, we know what we put in works, but it doesn't just change overnight. <laughs> and I think that's the biggest piece at the moment. We, we've got to have patience. Yeah, no, definitely. And um, obviously you mentioned you took over in May and like, it's a long-term thing. Why Lommel specifically? What uh, attracted you to that club rather than looking at some of the other clubs in Belgium? Unless you did look at some other clubs in Belgium, obviously kind of you can tell us what you can <laughs> tell us about that sort of like negotiations and stuff like that. But yeah, why, why Lommel specifically? We, we were looking at the, we were looking specifically at 1B to begin with. It, we felt it was the right level um, to be able to bring young talent in. I mean, 1A is, is obviously a much stronger level in terms of the physicality of the league. And then when you looked at the various clubs in 1B, you've already got um, a vested interest from some of the clubs in that league. And so it was just an opportunity that came along and we felt it was a good opportunity. Although the stadium is old, um, there's something about it. There's the culture in Lommel that 
People are very proud of the region. You've got this kind of community feeling, this historical kind of hell of the north in Belgium, so to speak, where people don't want to travel up there. And the, the, the youth aspect of it, I mean, we have already with this year, we have 400 youth players, but the youth facilities are just spectacular in the middle of the forest. And if anyone's not seen it, I'd welcome anyone to visit because it, it, it really is something that is very difficult to describe until you're there. So it, it was a myriad of things that all came together just at the right time. And um, it was felt that it was an opportunity too good to be missed. No, definitely. That's great. And um, yeah, you've mentioned a couple of things there that I kind of wanted to ask about. It's like, obviously, you've got the city group's got an ambition for Lommel. How do you balance this ambition for Lommel while also maintaining like what you said about the culture of the club and like the feel of the club to keep it embedded in that community, but also with what the city group's vision is? It's I'm not going to lie, it's a challenge. I mean, I've now been in the country ridiculously for, for five months and I'd say we're working extremely hard on and off the pitch to meet all the ambitions. So as you've rightly said, we, we've got we've got a club that over the last 20 years has seen a bit of a decline. I think it's quite, um, I can quite openly say that. The merger back in 2003 with Pelt meant that many of the fans walked away from the club. And you look at where we are now, even as recent as the last two or three seasons, there's been an owner there that hasn't really uh, took the club in the right direction. So we've got a club that, is a professional football club, but that hasn't necessarily been run in a professional way. It's probably a fair analysis. And my job is to come in and to professionalise what's happening on and off the pitch. But obviously a significant part of what happens on the pitch is, is down to Peter, is down to the guys in CFG that can support that. And then we've just actually brought in a, a new performance director as well. So, And that's an appointment only in the last couple of weeks. So there's a lot that we need to do that will work with fans, we'll work with partners, we'll work with key stakeholders to make sure what we do over the coming years takes into account the history of the club, uh, but also takes into account the kind of innovation and the the way we want to develop young players going forward. That's great. Yeah, no, definitely kind of a balancing act. And the kind of last question, I guess, for you, Matt, before I bring in Peter, is um, kind of off the back of what you said there. Obviously, your background, you've got experiences like chief executive of the foundation, uh, kind of like community work and stuff like that. Do you think that experience is going to help you in Lommel? And is that kind of like why you've been positioned as you are? I think it's a mix of two things and really good question. The city and the community work is something that, I was involved with for 16 years and it grew massively from a small charity with 20 staff in 2004 to a a charity that's now working in 21 countries around the world. So it's uh, one, I think that that community input and understanding of what it means to work in communities, what communities means in general, is vital for this role. But it's then the the growth and development I've achieved at City, both in Manchester and within the City Football Group. Um, Going out and seeing some of the other clubs has obviously been a key part of that. The development I've been able to achieve with individuals that have come through the charity and then gone into other key roles within Man City and within the group. Uh, And therefore, the contacts I have at a very senior level within the group. It's, It's vital that we get the right support for what is still quite a small team and still quite a young team at the moment. A prime example, we had the group chief executive, two of the further executives and two of the Man City players. Uh, I think some of the press called it a 
a Man City circus in Lommel a few weeks ago, but it it was phenomenal to be able to bring ultimately Man City to to Little Lommel, so to speak. Yeah, you could see like when they were signing autographs and stuff, the excitement was definitely there. Uh, you mentioned a young squad, so now I just want to bring in uh, Peter. Thank you so much for taking your time to join us as well. You're welcome. So you personally, you have a track record, very successful track record of working with young players and developing young talent in places like Sparta Rotterdam, Ajax and like the, the national team of Holland. How would you describe your coaching style and philosophy? Well, I'm, I'm people-oriented. Uh, always look for the person behind the player and, and try to get a good relationship with, uh, with the players. And, and uh, for, for me, it's, it's they're human. So that's a really important bit uh, for me. And, and I, when I look back and, and now, uh, I always try to have a good relationship. And of course... In the business, you know, it's not always this because, yeah, sometimes you have to sub them. But always when I give feedback, it's always on the player, never on the person. So I try to yeah, go there with them uh, that it's always on the player. And we always have a nice chat after or yeah, sometimes not. But no, it's people oriented. And, and that's that's. Yeah, it gave me the success, uh, I think, in, in my uh, my career uh, till now. No, that's great. And I definitely can imagine that with young players, that's quite an important thing. Yeah, they need to feel safe and that you're there for them uh, as a father. But yeah, you know, as a as a father uh, that you sometimes have, they have to know uh, that is not a, not a good thing, you know, and, and then you have a little argument. So, and yeah, next day uh, you go again or in five minutes you go again. Yeah, no, definitely. And then um, what... Kind of, what's your vision for your style of play? Like, how do you want your teams to play um, when they're on the pitch? Well, of course, I'm influenced where the, the clubs where I worked. I have to say, Ajax was a big influence for me, and then also City because Pep is influenced by Johan Cruyff, uh, of course, and Cruyff is a big thing in in Amsterdam at Ajax as well, and in Dutch football for general. And and that's what I try to to get in the teams. If you if you look on YouTube, chasing the ball from the Dutch national team 1974, you can't believe what they're doing. But in a more structured way, you see Barcelona, Man City, giving the same press like that's that's what did and i think Cruyff also got influenced by Michels and and you know it's a chain and and yeah i, I was gladly to meet uh, Cruyff uh, in general and when he talks about football yeah, it's amazing you, you know when he's in the room you just feel it is his aura and when he talks about football and how simple actually he he makes it so yeah i got influenced by that of course i you have to break it down if you want to put it in your team so yeah you give the training structure so if you want to press high or or mid block or low block you break that down in, in sessions like in smaller groups first so from small with the same topic and then add more uh, resistant in that session and then at the end you play 11 aside or nine against nine to get the most complex form so that's a bit how we work and it's the same in defending but also in attacking yeah you p- try to create a mini game that the same topic comes a lot in their experience and then you take to the next step you take for instance you start with 2v2 then you go 6v6 and then you make the next step to 11 aside that's the most complex uh, way of playing football so yeah that's what we do and that's how we work that's fascinating thank you so much um yeah scott i've seen you've got a question I'm just going to dive in there actually with a, a slight side question. You know, you were mentioning kind of Cruyff and and, and Michaels there, Peter. We know that the Lommel squad is quite quite a young squad on average age. 
you know, how, how much of an awareness of kind of some of those principles of kind of Cruyff and Meikles did the players have before you started working with them? Because I know that you worked with Liam for a period before Liam left to, to, to go to, to, to MK Dons, because obviously Cruyff and Meikles, huge figures in, in footballing history as well as Dutch footballing history, and as, as someone who's a bit of a connoisseur of of sort of football history and, and, and different football and cultures. I'm, I'm just interested to hear how how aware the players at Lommel were of, of of these figures and, and their their footballing principles. Cause sometimes obviously these things pass players by. They're not often things that, that players understandably necessarily pick up on um from, from a certain generation. So I'm just be a bit curious about that. Yeah, well it's hard to say. Um of course uh, if they read interviews from Guardiola or Savi, so now it's it's in in the news, of course, that Savi got influenced by Cruyff, and and yeah, they, they will they will read that, of course, and hopefully they come with questions about the guy, and because I can tell them lovely stories because we we were young and and yeah, happy to see them on the pitch. I think it's difficult for because we have a seventeen coaches within our staff and 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 players, so. Yeah, maybe the Brazilians and the South Americans is different for them because they had their own idols there, I think, with, with Pelé and Maradona. So they will more know about them than about Cruyff and that kind of players. So sometimes you tell them bits or you show them bits. But yeah, it's it's they're like 19 18 years old so that's that's a big gap do you have any um and we're, we're going we're going off piste a little bit here slightly but since we mentioned kind of Cruyff and and Mikos, do, do you have any particular sort of memories about them that that really stand out for you i did the mastering coaching at the Johan Cruyff institute and he he met all the students like we were like with 30 because it was arranged by Ajax, uh, so all the coaches were on that uh, on that course. And he came in, uh, and you could ask questions. They asked who wants to who wants to go first, and I said yes, I want to. Because he only answers ten questions, maybe. And I think, yeah, I need to know. So <laughs> yeah, I popped the question like, uh, what's your idea about staff? So how would you create your perfect staff? Yeah, and then you give him the word, and it takes fifty minutes. You know, he goes everywhere, but it's it's like natural, but it's. Yeah, it's so smart. Yeah, that, that's a nice memory I have of him. It's good to be in one room with a guy like this and all this experience and his insight in football is just special. Lovely tangent. Um, I guess kind of talking about, yeah, like coaching and stuff, I kind of wanted to go off on a slight one as well. Obviously, you guys had a really good uh, cup result recently uh, against Charleroi. How much of a difference did you notice in terms of like quality of opposition between the 1B and the 1A game in that game? And how impressed were you with the way your players kind of Rose to the challenge. Well, what you saw in the Charleroi game, you know that you you only thirty percent you have the ball, so that will be transition, of course. And and yeah, we we just defended really well that game with a low block. We knew that, so all the players were were fighting for for meters and help each other. It's easier when you're in low block because you don't leave a lot of spaces, of course. I think the goalkeeper was was great with catching those crosses all the time. Yeah, and and that's that's the difference in 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 one B. Sometimes we have 60, 60, 40 percent. We have sixty the ball, and we leave more space, and 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 the the opposition uh, get in a lower block. So and and. You know, creating football is always more difficult, but it's it's the most challenging, I think, and that's why I love it. So that's a big difference, of course, when you play 1A. It's allowed to play low block. Nobody will complain about the way you play. And, and I think that, that night we did great. 
And of course, the penalties was 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 nice as well for us. Yeah, like you said, about people won't complain if you're playing a lower block against the higher team. Yeah, more expectation in one B, that's for sure. Scott's obviously already mentioned about the young squad I mean, like the young ages within that squad. What's it like managing a team like that without having as many experienced players? And like, yeah, how do you manage the dynamics of that? You have to give them that experience. So uh, conceding a goal last game within three minutes and, and the audience booing, do you still want to have the ball? You know, that's that kind of experience is, is so good for them. Of course, you'd rather be one and up, but for the experience of the players. So you always have to see that. So you always take step back. And of course, I want to win every game and they as well. But to see the development for them, to struggle that 90 minutes because even our own audience is then against us, you know, it, it's good for them because they're going to be in the violent situations in bigger, bigger stadiums. Like people maybe whistled 90 minutes and it's up to them to be brave. And, and I'm there to help them in those situations. Sometimes to get them, get them off of the pitch or just be conscious of it. No, I let him stay to get this experience. And maybe we can see after 60 minutes, he gets back into the game and I can show him that on the footage, you know, in the, in the video. So for those young kids, it's, it's great. And if you see the last game, we play back back line, the back four, two of 18, one of 31 and one of 19. Yeah, that that's just how they managed in that game. Yeah, it's tough for them, but it's good for them uh, as well. But that's that's always a thin line, of course, if you also want to win a game. Yeah, it's interesting that, isn't it? Because I, I think you, you often learn more about your players in difficult situations when things are going against you than, than when things are kind of going well because, you know, it's seeing how they respond to, I suppose, disappointment and performance levels that, that maybe they, they would they would acknowledge they, they, they haven't set the the levels that they can set, you know what I mean? So seeing 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 your own players when they're up against it sometimes is, is often the the best possible moment for them to make breakthroughs in, in, in their development as well. I, I thought it was really interesting, actually, after the victory in Charleroi, just because one of the first things I thought was what, what a fantastic moment it is for that squad's development and what a boost for their confidence to know that they can go somewhere like that against a side from a higher division who, who are actually performing reasonably well at the moment yeah. and, you know, use, use the tools at their disposal and we we've said before on, on the bfp you know teams often get criticized for playing a low block regardless of who the team is but actually the truth is you have to use the right tools for yeah for for, for the job and, and sometimes that 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 that's the best one isn't it so yeah, yeah it's, it's football it's about being pragmatic in certain situations isn't it yeah and, and coming back on that you know uh if you see the uh, then that week, so we play Beveren. Wednesday we play Charleroi, and then the next Sunday we play an- another game. So three tough games in a week with the me- the month November when it's getting dark really soon, uh, less light, less energy. Already six months into the season, we started in June. You know all those things for that kind of players, like 18, 19 years old, to get physical toughness. They're great, but you know, as a coach, when you have experience in those months, you're also maybe going to struggle because, because it's tough just to, to get energy and, and, you know, when, when everybody, when, when we win, it's easy, you know, everybody's smiling, but you know, when you lose three times, like we had, yeah, then, then what you said is, it's true, you know, it, then you have to show character. Yeah, definitely. Just off the back of what you just said there, Peter, let me just quickly throw one of the fan questions at Mike. It's kind of more of like an off-the-field stuff. So apart from players' own responsibilities, how is the club providing players' support on life in a small city in Belgium? 
It's one we could probably both answer, actually. Um, I mean, we've, we've implemented a really good player care team now. We've got a gentleman called David who is leading our player care, but also player development. He's actually a kind of a qualified psychologist as well. But then we've put a, we've wrapped a team in and around him to look at player care, uh, management of players, etc. And to, I mean, as Peter said, if you look at all the cultures we've got across the whole club, it's imperative that we can support as many of those young people as possible. So, for example, we, we've actually just done a piece quite recently to look at highlighting Koki Saito and how we've supported Koki in embedding him in an extremely different culture and obviously coming from Japan and coming into Lommel and what we've done to support him in Lommel uh, what we've done to support his kind of culture and traditions, how we've kept him connected with what's going on back in Japan and his kind of family. We've actually just um, filmed a piece of work with his old club, Yokohama, because he's he's doing so well. I mean, you'll remember the, the first couple of games this season where he kind of started the season in lightning fast. And it captured the imagination of people in Japan that they were following Belgian football. So making the players feel welcome, feeling like they are supported and uh, we've developed a, a kind of wider onboarding package for want of a better way of putting it and we're continuing to review and develop that because again as Peter says we've got a lot of very young players here we, we, we have a 16 year old boy from Scandinavia who we've done a lot of work with um, his family to make sure his family are physically with him and supporting him so it's not just as simple as signing a player and expecting him to run onto a football pitch the following day I don't know if Peter's got anything to add to that no it's, that's that's true I think uh, what, what we do to learn from every culture is we have a roots meeting so it can be staff or player on a Thursday, there's always a meeting. They prepare their, their life story or their struggle moments in life. And then it was from Vladan Kujovic, the goalkeeper coach who overcome cancer. He shared that story. Everybody was like goosebump. And, and yeah, if you see his journey, the goalkeepers or the other players can learn from his journey. He had, but it's always also nice to hear uh, Rafik Bengali is going to do his presentation tomorrow. He's only 19 years old. And I knew, I know he had, he was at an academy where he played only with bare feet. So that, that kind of in changing experience about life and knowing, knowing that the other guy better, it gets conversations between the, each other. So that's, that's really good. It wasn't my turn yet. So <laughs> we have to wait and see uh, if they learn something about my life. <laughs> the, the Roots program that Peter mentions is a really interesting one because you can have a couple of spins on that, can't you? You talk about exactly the way Peter's described it, but then it's about them putting their roots in Lommel. And if you think of the, the physical nature in and around the city of Lommel, um, what, what we're actually going to start doing is planting a tree for every uh, player that comes through the, the squad. And the idea is that we plant the tree, we physically therefore plant the roots of that player in Lommel as they progress in development, as, as they progress and develop, which is what I talked about at the beginning of the call. Um, and the branches kind of grow of the tree as well. So the branches represent the growth of that player and as they sprout and progress, but their roots will always be in Lommel. And it, it will always be a a case of they've 
they've got that kind of society and that alignment with what happened when they were in Lommel and we'll always be able to recognise that. That's beautiful, actually. That's a, that's a really lovely idea. I, I really like that, Mike. It's interesting that this conversation, you know, is touching on kind of support for young players because we've had a lot of contact recently at the BFP with a, a, a player's agent, a player who now plays for a 1A club. And um, before he got his move, this is a young player at a 1A club, before he got his move, his agent did actually get in touch with us at the BFP, really for some consultancy work, really. And it was to part of the research and the due diligence and it was really about scoping out that club and where is that club now is it the right club for that player and it just it just reminded me about how important it is to put a lot of resources into these things whether your squad is is young like the Lomo one is or not because often it's things that affect people day to day off the pitch off the match pitch and the training pitch that can have a huge impact on on just you know their application at work and and the development as well you know those simple things like are are things right at home how how can we make them more comfortable so that the foundations you know away from from the footballing side of things are are, are right because often as we know if they're not right then players are are, are not able to perform at their best so it, it's it's so important that isn't it it's massively important and i mean we've got examples that we could talk about players that have uh, a part of cfg clubs who have actually come to lommel and who we're trying to help and develop um we've we've got a player in marlos last year for example who some would argue that we've helped to kind of get his career back on track and he's now be able to progress and develop, and he, he's doing really well this year. We've got other players that we are bringing in and using Lommel as a base to help them progress and develop. We've got others that um, they're at a different stage in their career. Daniel Azani is a prime example this year. Uh, and Lommel is becoming a really good kind of bedding in, I suppose, club in Belgium that can give these players the opportunity to kind of reset, learn, progress, develop, enjoy their football and gets them ready for the, a successful career, hopefully. That's great. No, it's so interesting. I love, yeah, I love like what you guys have talked about with like setting those roots in Lommel so that even if these players do move on, like Lommel's still going to be kind of like a part of their development that they can always kind of look back on. We've got a ton of fan questions, so we should probably get through these before we get kind of harangued for not asking them. But I think the first one that I've got here will probably be for you, Peter. It's more on the tactical side. You kind of mentioned a little bit about it, so we'll kind of see, yeah, I'm interested to see kind of your take on what they've said. So they've said last season the side played more of a pressing game. This season approach has been more defensive and patient. Is this deliberate? And will we see a return to the more pressing style? Yeah, that there's a reason, of course, because one week before we we started the season, Liam left, of course. So yeah, a lot of new players, all the strikers were new. So then you then you take more security by keeping in a, a mid block and press from there. And and yeah, we speak about creeping. That's what what we need. Uh, we call it. And we work on trigger moments when to creep. So in our mid block, we try to get to higher press, but that's uh, the development we hopefully gonna make. I think we played our best game at the moment when we had a mid block, and and from there on we we try to progress because of course you have a lot of new players. Yeah, it gives us a bit more security with smaller spaces in our back. So it's it's that's a bit of a change last year, and then yeah, we try to eventually, hopefully. In March, April or February, uh, try to go to a higher press. But first, to keep keep everybody on the same page, 
in this and then move on from there. It's always a development. Very interesting, I'm sure. Yeah, that's definitely answered their question. Mike, I think the next one's probably more for you. And it's their question is, there's a lot of talk about the stadium being a proving ground for the digital stadium of the future. Uh, what changes on infrastructure and hospitality can we expect? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, the, this question's probably come from an article that was in the paper last week. And uh, I don't, I'm maybe slightly controversial here. I don't necessarily agree with everything that was in that article. When we talk about the future, it, it doesn't mean we won't do anything, but it, it, the stadium is not our priority right now. Uh, I'm doing a lot of work with uh, the mayor of Lommel. We've got a very good relationship very early on, and we're talking about priorities. We're talking about future-proofing. We, we know that we've got areas of the stadium that are 60 years old. Some of the other areas are 30 years old, but, but it's going to take time. I go back to the same word. It's going to take patience and time for us to really get a grip on what do we need in Lommel, and then how do we ultimately deliver that so that we have something that is right for the future, is right for our fans, is right for the, the club that we want to take forward in Lommel. Great. Yeah, yeah, that definitely answers that one. And the second question was, any plans for a new stadium or renovation of the existing? But I think you've just answered that one as well. Um, I'm not sure which of you wants to take this one, but someone's asked, what are the club's intentions and plans for the January transfer window? I, can, I, I think both of us can go. From, from my point of view, it, it is very cards close to my chest moment. We, we've got plans in place for the future, not just for January, but for the future. But again, there's a... There's a piece that Peter is very heavily involved with, of course, the performance director, the guys at CFG, where we look at our squad planning. We look at areas where we feel there may be a need for development. And that is something that's taken time. I mean, as I said, I came in only five months ago. Peter ultimately got the job four days before the season started. So uh, I know there's some frustration with our fans, but actually neither of us really had an opportunity to influence in the previous transfer window. And we're therefore starting to work very closely together. We're starting to work very closely with the other guys and kind of departments that I've just mentioned. But it's it's another piece. It's not going to happen overnight. It is going to need time. And it's going to need, as I say, that patience from our fans and from our stakeholders to make sure that once we start influencing, we influence in the right areas. Next one is kind of what are your guys' thoughts on the competition format for 1B uh, within in brackets, the restructuring obviously imminent. Kind of, I guess Peter maybe is like, as a coach and a manager, how do you like having such a small league? Like how does that kind of impact everything? Because there's so much riding on each game. I think I'd rather have a bigger competition, of course, because then the challenges for the players, the different types of players they play against is so much more. And now after three or two games, you, you, you know your opponent. And you know where he's good at good at it. Development-wise, it's better to have uh, like uh, 18 or something. And then that's that's the ideal one. You have the toughness in the games you're going to play because you, you have to play a lot of games. And of course, yeah, you, you, you play now a lot of the same opponent. So in development of that, it's better for them to have different uh, opponents every time. Yeah, definitely. Although I know that me and Scott particularly kind of love the chaos that an eight-team league kind of throws up because it is just... Every week seems to be absolutely wild. Last question, which is definitely, definitely from a fan because the what's at the end. Um, I think, again, this is probably for you, Mike. Um, it says, a year before the takeover by CFG, there was a lot of effort put into the history of the club 
a lot of nostalgia for fans. Does the new board want to continue this? And more specifically, will the candy stall return to the entrance? Uh, I, I thought you were going to ask about the uh, the onion slicer <laughs> rather than the candy store. Uh, I, I think that it's an interesting question because for those that know, obviously, Belgian football like you guys do and, and know Lommel, the, the year before the acquisition by CFG was actually quite a, a difficult year with the previous owner and, and what happened. And ultimately... Where, where the position it got to, allowing us to take over the club. In terms of the effort with the fans, I think we'll go above and beyond anything that's happened before, to be honest. Next year is a really important year for the club. It's actually the 90th anniversary. The, the, there's history dating back to the early 1900s, but ultimately the club took over the name as Lomelos Car in, in 1932. And so we've got a season where we can celebrate that 90th year. Uh, and there's a lot of work that's already started behind the scenes with fan groups, um, we're going to be working with fans, I can openly say now, over the next kind of three to six months, looking at uh, what does the kit look like. And uh, we're hoping to actually get to a stage where we have fans designing our 90th anniversary kit, which is going to be a very unique piece. We're actually doing a, um, a fan kind of engagement session at Kit Partner Masita at their warehouse tomorrow evening. So that's going to be an exciting project. There's other areas that we've already done a lot of work with fans around things that needed to improve in and around the stadium. There's some work that will now take place during the international break in fan areas, for example. But then it's also looking at the the culture and the the history of the club and making sure that we recognise that in everything we do. You asked before about my history and my community work, and I think that puts me in a really strong position to understand this as we, we take the club forward. It's... It's quite common in Lommel, uh, it's quite common knowledge that with everything that happened in the past, the fans ultimately feel like they, they want their club back. And there's a lot of work we need to do on this, but I think that we will get to a position in the next nine to 12 months where they'll feel that they are working with us and that they will get ultimately Lommel back as their club. It's really interesting that as well, isn't it? Because, you know, you were talking about, you know, the lack of patience that fans in particular sometimes have. And this is all fans of all teams. It's not, you know, it's not unique to Lommel. Everybody's fans are are, are impatient for results and, and, and what they, they, they want most. But, you know, I was just thinking about what you were saying about kind of growing the connection between the club and, and the fan base. And obviously with Lommel being based in, in Limburg, in a beautiful area, as you were touching on earlier, you're absolutely right. I think there are more than one club in Limburg as well. So this is where, obviously, you know, Mike's connections with the, the city and the community foundation are really interesting, I think, because Genker in Limburg and St Trudner are in there as well. And those sides have, have fans from, from outside. And we've seen from in St Truden's case, obviously, with, with their Japanese owners, that they, they've they lost a lot of, of, of kind of their, their core traditional fan base because the, the identity of the club has been perceived to have been, have been diluted. And a lot of time and energy, I, I think, needs to go into maintaining that connection. And sometimes fans, and, and this is just my own personal view, fall away from... From, you know their connection with clubs are a little bit too easy and and what Mike was saying earlier I know Peter will definitely recognize this about you know time it takes time to to, to do to do a lot of these things and yeah a, a little bit of faith and, and, and engagement as well so it's, it's been really great to, to have you join us tonight and to kind of share some of your share some of your thoughts isn't it Ben yeah no definitely no definitely we've got um one or 
two more questions. Uh, I think just one. Although I do want to say, I'm sure lots of listeners will be very excited to see the kit that you guys do produce. I know Scott, obviously, as a Celtic fan, is a big fan of the <laughs> kit being green and white. So slight bias there. It's kind of coming back to this format, thought of the 1B format. Uh, maybe a bit more for Peter as well with kind of your experience in Dutch football. What are your kind of opinions on the development squads coming into the league? Obviously, it's happened in the Dutch division. We got it in the second tier. I know there that they've got some development squads in there from the bigger clubs. Do you think that's a good thing, a bad thing? Do you think it'll be beneficial for your players? Because I work also for the FA, you, you, you see it also in a bigger perspective. At the end of the day, it, it's about what the country doing. So Belgium, if it's beneficial for the players who, in that, who, who play on a young age in this kind of leagues, of course, it's the bigger clubs like Ajax, AZ, PSV, those kind of teams play play in the league. If you see like Chapko, uh, for instance, he's playing, uh, he played young PSV, Donjon Mahler, he played young PSV, all play national team now. So the physical toughness, playing against all the guys, I think if you see that bigger picture, is really important for, for the development of the, the players and, and eventually for the, for the Dutch national team. Same is, is of course that for the Belgium, uh, Belgium team for the Belgian players. You see now Club Next last year, they progressed really well. You see now uh, the Cabus and, and the Kuiper playing as, at Westerlo with all the guys, with all the guys who carry them through bad times and, and get that physical toughness. I'm sure they're both going to play in, in Club Brugge in a few seasons because of this experience. So I think it's beneficial for the country, but I understand also the clubs play against the young teams like the the club next, in, for instance, because of the audience who will come to the game. So it's always difficult, you know, you have the, the business part and you have the development part and what's the best uh, for the country uh, eventually. So if you can see to the look, uh, bigger picture, I think it's it's beneficial for Belgium and Dutch football. That's really interesting, actually. It just it kind of reminded me, actually, a little bit, the, you know, the, the bigger picture. We had some uh, comments from fans um, around some of your players uh, on loan as well. It's probably worth touching kind of quickly on uh, the Sousa. Uh, uh, Mechelen is doing kind of quite well there. He's slotted into the centre of their midfield and is, is really off offering them something really interesting at the moment at a time where they seem to have found quite an effective balance and Manfred Agaldi being at a 20 as well. What's it been like to kind of, you know, see their development since since they've gone out? What's that been like for you guys? Yeah, it makes you proud that you that you that they, they do well. I still follow them. Sometimes they come to us and sometimes if, if Ugaldi scored his first goal for twenty, you send him a text and he he sends something back. You know, it's just you have that connection. And the same with Marlos. Uh, I, I I did a lot of IDP work with him, like individual. We have such a good connection, we always stay connected. So you're proud of them and, and it also you always they always will say Lomo where that's where you know I get the, the first chance in, in senior football uh, with a lot of them. And of course, Marlon was a back on track player, but he has a fine feeling about Lomo because we gave him the new opportunity to, to quarterback. So it's, it's, it makes you proud. And that's, that's, I, it gives me energy. So, and then I know I love my job, the, those moments. That's great. That's great. Thank you guys so much for joining us on this episode. I think we'll let you go and enjoy your, your evening in Lommel. But yeah, anytime you're more than welcome to join us on the Belgian Football Podcast. Uh, hopefully, one day we'll actually get out to Lommel and be able to meet everyone in person and go to a game. And yeah, to everyone listening, I hope you enjoyed this special episode of the Belgian Football Podcast. We hope that most of your questions were answered. And yeah, we'll speak to you very soon on another episode of the Belgian Football Podcast.